Hi. Hello, listeners, who we still have not found a name for yet. <laughs> what are our podcast listeners called? What should we call them? I don't know. Nothing is really, like, popped out as the one. The CCCers? No. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> no. Sounds <laughs> like they're seeing something really, really hard. <laughs> Welcome know. to Crime Cults and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. I'm Bryn. And today we are very tired. <laughs> we were just slapping ourselves awake. Yeah, we're going to try to push through this for you guys so we don't sound like a boring blob. I think, we, I think we could do it. Yeah, I think so too. I if think it's also the, the mugginess. It's it so is muggy. ridiculously humid. I walked outside of work last night and looked at my coworker. I was like, I feel like I'm drinking water. Yeah. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm breathing in air that has water like, in it. From like, from this guy. I'm literally drinking fluid as I'm breathing. <laughs> She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh my god. It's the water disgusting. water was like condensing in your mouth as you were breathing. <laughs> It's so muggy and gross, and it just keeps raining and then getting muggy. Yeah. Isn't it supposed to clear up after rain? Like, be Possibly. <laughs> yeah. I always just feel... I love rainstorms, but I always feel kind of shitty after them because it stirs everything up. Like, you could probably hear it in my voice again. Mm. My allergies are just awful. Like, really? I can barely breathe through my nose right now. Thank the Lord that I do not have allergies. That's the one thing he blessed me with. <laughs> this year... He's blessed you with many other things. Yes, well, yes. But, but that's definitely one of the big ones. Yeah. Because everybody's like, allergies. Well, and this me year, and my family don't have them. This year has been really bad, though. Yeah. For some reason. I don't know. Me and my family, bless. We don't have allergies. <laughs> Raise your hand if your allergies suck. <laughs> <laughs> but right. anyway, we don't really have too much to talk about before getting into our coffee review this week. Yeah. We just have been working and... Lots of work. Yeah. Not much going on I've been seeing a lot of repeating numbers but that's what does that mean like repeating numbers they're angel numbers if you see anything repeating that means it's like an angel number yeah well you should look it up yeah okay it's like a sign the universe is trying to show you well at least that's what I believe or that an angel is trying to give you that's what I believe okay so I look them up all the time but I see them constantly but especially this week yeah Uh, I was gonna say for some reason but it's not for some reason Um, I've had a lot going on, so I know it's for a reason, Yeah. but every time I've been looking at anything lately, like my phone or my computer at work or anything, there's repeating numbers, like when I happen to glance and otherwise, if I don't... Do you look them up every time? I have been, yeah. Yeah? I've been seeing a lot of ones, like the other day I got, I went to go to sleep, it was 111 in the morning on July 1-1. Jesus, so it was wait. one 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 one. Was this a weeknight? This is the weekend. Okay, good. And then, and Bryn then, likes to stay up until three in the morning yeah. and then get up at six to go to work. I do. I don't know what's wrong. It with actually me. is shocking to me to see you function after staying up so late. I know. And then I do the same thing. I hate my life that day, and then I do the same thing the next day. I'm like, how in the fuck is she not dead right now? <laughs> but then the next day, it was. Well, like, going into the next day, it was really strange because then the next time I had looked at my phone, it was 11-11 on July 11th. So, it was one 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 That's really weird. Yeah, but today I saw a 10-10, I saw a 3-3-3. I've been waking up at 3 o'clock a lot. Really? Yeah. 
I had somebody at work today come in with the exact same birthday as me, same year and everything. Really? Yeah. Wow. They were like, what the fuck? Are we destined <laughs> to be best friends? I was like, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> or we just share a birthday. I was like, I probably shouldn't tell you, but we have the same birthday. He, she was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, besides that, nothing fun, really. Mm-mm. No. Yeah. It's just the weather, I feel like, too, is like putting a downer on things like your this past weekend was amazing with weather like it was so sunny but like other than that it's been thunderstorming like every single night yeah I mean I love thunderstorms but like looking outside and it being gloomy just naturally depresses me yeah and there's definitely a difference between falling asleep to a thunderstorm and just having it thunderstorm or rain all fucking day yeah I was actually looking into fun fact I was looking into vitamin d deficiency today because one of my patients had like was very deficient in vitamin d Mm mm-hmm So I was trying to figure out, like, the dosage for replacement for them. And as I was reading some stuff, um, it said that it was really sad. It was, like, some stat about a bunch of kids in specifically Minnesota having horrible, like, vitamin D deficiency and rickets because it's just never sunny there. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was like, wow. That, like... I don't know. It, vitamin D really does play, and the sun does play a huge role yeah. in, like, your mood and, and, you know, your vitamins. That's crazy. Well, think about, I mean, this is a completely different system, but think about how plants are when they don't get a ha- enough sun, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. And we're human. We're just basically <laughs> plants. <laughs> Filled with water. We can talk. <laughs> yeah. So, let's get into our coffee review before people turn this shit off. Yeah. So, <laughs> again, for the second time, we are doing Apocalypse Coffee Roasters. Woohoo! We reviewed them back in episode 40, which was part one with Laura Cifaldi, our medium. Guys, how fucking good is she? <laughs> how fucking incredible. Part of me is a little sad that we have now exposed her to the world I know, of our now, podcast listeners. And everybody knows about her now. She's already so booked. Yeah. And I'm like, are we ever going to get to see her? She was our best kept secret for, like, the past five years. (laughs) And now she's starting to get, like, more well-known. And, like, I'm so happy for her. But, like, now we're like, fuck. We can't get in for six months. (laughs) No. No, we are so happy for her. And we hope she continues to flourish because she's incredible. We got really good feedback about that episode. A lot of you guys liked it. So... Um, maybe we can do more things in the future. Give us some suggestions. Mm-hmm. But as always, we're going to recommend listening back to the episode where we did the big spiel on the coffee we're reviewing. And yes. for this coffee, it's episode 40. So if you didn't hear all about them, go back and listen. Listen to the spiel. <laughs> listen to the spiel. <laughs> I don't think there was supposed to be two sh. Nope, definitely not. <laughs> I thought you no one would notice. And I pointed it out. I'm sorry. Even if I did it, I'd point it out about myself That's because okay. that was funny. That's all right. So the website, again, in case you're wondering, is apocalypsecoffee.com. Woohoo! Yeah, so actually, while Bryn's looking up their Instagram account real quick, I will talk about exactly what coffee we are doing today. Um, it is the Armageddon Coffee. Last time we did Awakening, this is the Armageddon. And its origin is from Guatemala, and its notes are complex, creamy, and smooth with deep chocolate finish. Ooh. It's some a cocoa medium, in there. Yeah, it's a medium roast. So their Instagram is Apocalypse Coffee Roasters. Check nice them out. Nice and simple. Check them out, check them out. I'm going to read a little blurb from their website about this specific coffee. 
It says, we have taken the powers of light and dark, put them into a bag, put them into one bag. One being roasted two ways, two opposing forces blended together to create an epic battle of flavors for your palate. <laughs> That's so cute. Oh my god, cute. as you read that, I just noticed their graphic on their bag is like the <gasps> yin and yang. Oh. And there's the dark side filled with stuff, and then there's a light side filled with stuff, and then there's a dark and light coffee bean in each of them. Wow, I just noticed that too. It's That's so, so cool. cute. And within the graphics are like animals and... Up, like zombies and dinosaurs and spiders and all this cool stuff. That's really cool. I like cool. their graphics. Yeah, me too. Super cool. Yeah, so this, again, I don't know if I said it. I probably did. This is a medium roast, though. And we, this was part of their most popular coffee trio. They sent us three different bags, so this is one of their most popular coffees. Yeah. So what are you thinking about this one today? So, I can see, I can taste the deep chocolate um not so much like as a sweetness but more so of like a note that's at the end mm-hmm. like I don't taste the sweetness of the chocolate it's almost more of like a, a bitterness to me yeah um and not in a bad way though you yeah know? I would probably rate this one a 6.5 um it's a good everyday coffee as we have said what about you I agree with what you said. I can definitely taste a little bitterness in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, like, I hadn't sipped it in probably three minutes or so now, and as I'm sitting here talking to you, I definitely taste that chocolate, just, like, yeah. aftertaste in my mouth. On your tongue, yeah. Yeah. I would have to rate this one a 6.75. Guys, we're getting more in-depth with the <laughs> We've now gone to 0.75. Yeah, sorry. I couldn't make up my mind between a 6.5 or a 7, so I'm yeah. just going to go with the little happy medium there. Split it right down the middle. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's good. I can see where they're coming from with the creamy, um, when they said that there's creaminess in the notes, I could taste that as well. But yeah, I think it's a good coffee. They make good coffee. Yeah, I like them so far. This isn't one of my top coffees, this specific flavor, or um, uh... Nope. Nope. Yeah. But uh, I do like it, and I have enjoyed their past coffee, and I can't wait to try more from them. Yes. So, thank you so much, Apocalypse Coffee Roasters. We will be talking about you again. Thank you, guys. And again, just so you guys are aware, this coffee shop is in Melbourne, Florida, in case you were wondering. So, check them out. So, let's get into it then, right? Yep. So, So grab grab your your coffee coffee and and have a morning morning with us. Alright guys, so today we are doing another Haunted Places episode. This is the fourth Haunted Places and I'm going to start again like always. Me and Brent each did a couple separate ones and we didn't know of each other's uh, prior to right now. So I'm going to start it off with the Lizzie Borden house. Yay, I'm so excited. (laughs) So how much do you know about this? Because you know every time I, every single Uh, one that I do. I know a good amount about this one. Not all the little nitty-gritty details, but I know about the case of Lizzie Borden. Okay. So you probably won't know about, like, the, like, haunted the house stuff. Is, yeah, no, no. Okay. I won't know about the haunted stuff, but I do know about her situation. Crazy. <laughs> I don't know. I just randomly, I landed on it. It sounded familiar. I've heard of it before, but I didn't know, like, many details about it. Mm-hmm. So, here we go. We're going to get into the background first. So, this house is located in Fall River, Massachusetts. Um, and it was between 1874 and 1892 that this house was owned by a man named Andrew Borden. 
Andrew had two daughters named Emma and Lizzie. Lizzie is the main player in this case, if you will, and her age I threw in there, she's 32 years old. I feel like that's important, just keep that in mind, because throughout this story, before I knew about how old she was, Mm -hmm. I was picturing her as like a 12-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. So just keep in mind that she's 32. So Abby Gray also lived in this house, and she was Andrew's second wife, so she is Lizzie's stepmother. Okay. Lizzie and Abby apparently didn't get along very well. I don't know how true that is, but there was multiple articles that said that they had a not-so-great relationship. Like, they kind of went at it. They kind of didn't mesh well. Bridget Sullivan also lived in the house, and she was their maid. This house was described as a Greek revival home, and it was on 2nd Street. So, that's the background of the house. Now we're going to get into the murder. And this was August 4th, 1892. Emma, who is Lizzie's younger sister was actually out of town. A few articles I read said that she was at camp or, you know, doing something else. Regardless, she was not home that time. Okay. Lizzie and the maid, again, the maid's name was Bridget, were home with Andrew and Abby on this day. Bridget was outside apparently washing the windows when the murders occurred. This is really strange because, side note, today, randomly during work, the name Bridget popped into my head. What? I swear to fucking God. Really? And I Did was, you get anything? I can't remember now, but I was even thinking, this is so strange. Why did that name pop in my head? Did you know her name was Bridget? No. Really? And I didn't... What? Why are you looking behind you? I what? swear to God, I just saw what? a shadow. I swear to you, it went like this. Maybe it's Bridget. It my head. Maybe it's Bridget. Bridget! <laughs> Are you here? Bridget, what do you need to tell us? Oh my god, I swear I saw it out of the corner of my eye. That was the weirdest thing. Sorry. Okay. Okay, if anything pops in my head, I'll just say it. Yeah. But, yeah, it was really strange, and I was even thinking, like, why am I thinking of this name right now? That's so strange. Yeah, that's really weird, because <laughs> you didn't know that she was even part of this case. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Again, Bridget apparently was outside washing the windows. Um, She was seen by a neighbor, so that was kind of her alibi throughout this whole thing. Andrew, who again was Lizzie's father, was sleeping on the couch in the living room, and Abby was up in the guest room. So Andrew was taking like a midday siesta. He just took a nap on the couch. A siesta K. Siesta K. (laughs) Do you guys watch that show? Side note, it's really fucking good. You ask them if they're going to answer. I know. <laughs> yes, we do. Bridget's like, yes. Stop. She would hate siesta key, I feel like. Probably would. Um, anyway, so Lizzie yelled to Bridget, uh, quote, come down quick. Father's dead. Somebody came in and killed him, which I feel like is just a weird way to say it in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Andrew Borden was found dead, struck 10 to 11 times in the head while he was laying on the sofa in the living room. Mm. crazy so yeah so obviously there's like a commotion going on lizzie's like call you know the neighbors in get help whatever so people start to arrive and originally lizzie had told everybody that abby who again is her stepmother was out of town visiting a friend and then as like as the conversation kept going People were, like, questioning, like, where is she? And she changed her story and said, oh, 
Like she, she, I may have heard her come home actually. She may be in the house. So like her story did change a few times, Mm -hmm. which also right off the bat made it pretty suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. So Bridget and the neighbor went upstairs and found Abby dead in her bedroom with 19 hatchet wounds or axe wounds. Yeah. Like. Holy shit. You don't need that many thing that many hits to kill someone. That is, like, definitely someone who was really, really angry. angry. Yeah. yeah. It was later determined that Abby died an hour before her husband. So, basically, this means that while the killer was in the house for at least an hour, Lizzie never saw him or her while she was home. Or was never attacked herself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, they must have slipped in and out. But meanwhile, they were there for at least an hour. Mm Mm-hmm. So, that doesn't make... In between killings. Yeah. And then there's a brutal killing happening and you're not even overhearing anything. Right, and it's two different rooms of the house. Yeah. Like, where was she? Yeah. Just chilling in the kitchen? So, originally, Lizzie was blamed for the murders and she was arrested on August 11th. She maintained her innocence by saying that the intruder must have gone in and out undetected. During the investigation, there was an axe found with a broken handle in the cellar. Lizzie was charged with the murders, but there was no proof that she did this or that the axe was even the murder weapon. So they basically were like, well, she's let off. And this Mm -hmm. is just a random side note. Somebody said that they saw Lizzie burning the dress that she allegedly wore the day of the murders in her stove. Was her stove inside or outside? That was what I like, was how would confused they see about. That? I know, that's what I was confused about, but when I was, you know, looking more into it, it said that the original stove was, like, in the house. Okay. So how would they have seen her burning, burning it? it? Unless yeah. it was outside and it was yeah. just, like, a misconstrued, like, detail. Was there anything with a shoe or a shoe print? Shoe, no. Not that I read. Is that what you were getting? Yeah. Hmm. I wonder. No, not that I saw. Yes, that's what I'm getting from Bridget. Bridget's telling me. (laughs) I'm thinking it's... No, I don't know if it's Bridget, but that's what I was just Well, it was in August, so it wouldn't be, like, snowy. Maybe it was, No, I'm thinking blood. Like a blood print? Or Mm. just something with a shoe. I don't know. Okay. Keep going. Um, so she ended up being acquitted one week after she was arrested, and to this day, the murders are unsolved, Mm. which sucks for Andrew and Abby. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. So there was also some weird shit that happened before the murders. (laughs) Okay, let's hear the weird shit, because I definitely don't know this stuff. Okay. So apparently Lizzie attempted to buy poison the day before the murders, which is just weird in itself, and everybody in the house was sick and vomiting the day before except for her. So she was clearly trying to, like... Like... Experiment. Rat poison or cyanide or some shit. So that's just, like, weird in itself that it happened the day before. Yeah. No, she definitely tried to poison them, and it didn't work, so she's like, like, I'm just gonna use an axe. Easier way. Yeah. So Lizzie also told a friend that she felt, quote, something bad might happen. Okay. Yeah, you're the bad thing. (laughs) Okay. It was your fault. So a couple of different theories of what actually happened is one theory is that Andrew, he was a wealthy guy, he was well-known, and that maybe he had enemies for whatever reason. That kind of stuff happens. And then obviously the other theory is that Lizzie did it. I think that's the theory. I think that's it. I think that's what happened. She's just good at hiding it. Yeah. 
Okay, so now into the haunted stuff. Okay. So, this is, I'm going to start talking about, like, the house today itself and then the haunting stuff. So, Lizzie actually died at the age of 66 in 1927. Just a little side note there. In 1996, Martha McGinn inherited the house and turned it into a bed and breakfast. Martha's grandparents actually bought the house uh, in 1948. So, that's just how it kind of got to where it was Mm -hmm. now. The house is actually open and is a working bed and breakfast as well as a museum since oh my God. 2004. That is so fucking cool. I want to go stay there. It's really cool. So none of the furniture inside is the original furniture, mm-hmm. but like from the photographs of like the crime scene, they recreated exactly to a T wow. pretty much everything in the house. Wow. Yeah. And I think they even had, like, the same type of stove that was there, and, but, like, obviously not the original one. Nothing was original, but they recreated everything, like, exact. Yeah. To make it feel like... I mean, I think it would be, like, really eerie to stay there because two people were murdered in that house, but I wonder, like, I would like to go there just to see what... Like, what would happen, get. or what would, I would, yeah, like, what, what I would pick up on. Yeah. So... It opened in 2004. Actually, it's so weird because I was just looking, obviously looking into this recently, but it was sold to Lance Zoll for almost $2 million. You were going to say Lance Bass. <laughs> Lance Bass bought <laughs> the boarding house. <laughs> He's really into haunted places. Well, I know he, he, but his name, like, I just thought of him because <laughs> I know he tried to purchase the Brady Bunch house a no while fucking ago. Way. I swear to God. A while um, ago, and I was like, oh, he's, he wants to purchase Lizzie Borden's house. So Lance Bass is now the owner. <laughs> Just kidding. Lance Zoll. Um, yeah, he bought it for $2 million. Holy shit. Yeah. And he, it was this past May, like, of 2021. Wow. Yeah. How crazy is it that it was, like... And does he still have it open as a bed and breakfast? Yeah. Okay. So here are his plans, which I need to go now that he's the owner. Okay. There are still, like, tours, but he's planning on doing a 90-minute ghost tour and two-hour ghost hunts. He also plans to launch a podcast, themed dinners, virtual experiences, and murder mystery nights in the freaking Lizzie Borden house. Oh, my God. Do it up, Lance. That is so cool. And he's, like, this young-looking, like, cool guy. I looked at pictures. I want to be friends with him. Oh, I can't wait to listen to his podcast when it comes out. I know. I want to do a murder mystery night there. Yeah. Can we please? Can we do it? Let's add this to our coffee tour. We should. These next two things actually made me laugh a little bit. He also (laughs) wants to use it as a wedding venue, which... Good luck finding people that want to get married in the Lizzie Borden house. <laughs> that is actually terrifying. That's weird. I mean, I, I guess I can see some people that are super into, like, maybe as a couple, they're really into, like, haunted places, but, like, that's not very romantic. No, someone was murdered there. A husband and a wife, that's, to be exact. I mean, obviously, we have a true crime podcast, and we're interested in these cases, and covering these cases to tell these victims stories and stuff Mm -hmm. but I feel like having a wedding where two people were murdered brutally is kind of disrespectful like the purpose of having it there is because of the murders actually pretty rude well it gets worse with 
the stuff that they're doing. Like, love you, Lance, but I think that's a little much. Lance, that's a bit far, (laughs) as well as the axe throwing in the parking lot. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh my god, no. No. I can't laugh, I'm awkward. We're laughing because we're uncomfortable. (laughs) That's uncomfortable. I know, I'm really uncomfortable. No, that's too much. Way too far. No, I like the podcast idea. I like the ghost tour idea. What was the other thing? Murder mystery, yeah, that's great. But weddings and axe throwing, that is just way too far. It's too far, and there's people that are definitely upset about it. They're like, this is a little disrespectful, Lance. That's much, like, majorly disrespectful. And kind of just trying to profit off of these people being murdered. Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. Like, I heard also, I heard, like, people told me, I read in the articles, too, that, like, I don't know if this was the previous owners or Lance, so don't go at Lance for this, but... They're, like, part of the gift shop, like, part of the things that are in the gift shop are, like, a bobblehead with, of Lizzie Borden with blood splattered all over her face. Just, like, really insensitive things like oh. that. Yeah. I don't like that. Like, Ouija boards. They're selling Ouija boards. No. Now. Yeah. As if that place needs any more darkness to it. Well, Jesus. now into the major haunting stuff. Okay. So, like I said, if you stay there, you I mean, you can't sleep over. It's a bed and breakfast. You can actually stay in the room that Abby was murdered in, and this is the most requested room. Surprise, surprise. People are fucking crazy. <laughs> was it, is it, like, extremely haunted because she died in a brutal way, or people just want to stay there because they're, wanna like, see... twisted? Yeah. I mean, there was haunting stuff in there, but, like, I think people are just interested in it and, like, yeah. want to see what happens. Oh. Um, people say that they hear children giggling in the attic. No. No, no. In the attic is, like, another step, too. Like, there's demons in the attic. <laughs> I mean, children, mm-hmm. those might be straight-up demons. Yeah. Presenting themselves as children. <laughs> Ew. The sound of children ghosts giggling. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> there was also been reports of spirit cats walking around again. Oh, yes. Yeah. I like that. I just want Salem... To be honest, I want Salem I like as my, that. you know. Why? Because he talks. Yeah. <laughs> and he was a he was a real boy once. Aww. Yeah. This is the creepiest part. I literally got chills when I read this. Someone actually stole the Ouija board that was like in the house. It was known to be like the house Ouija board. Wait, when she was around? No, like. Like I guess in some time after the new ownership, Ew. they had, like, a Ouija board that was stayed in the house. This is a story that I read on, like, a blog that somebody, he they said that the um, tour guide had told this to them. Okay. Um, it was later returned, like, after it was stolen, it got shipped back to them via FedEx with a note that said, please make it stop. Ew. Ugh. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just got chills throughout my whole body. I do not like that. No. No. Ouija boards? No. Okay, for anybody that is interested in, like, paranormal stuff, that's fine, but do not fucking use a Ouija board. No. Don't. Ever. It only brings, it open, only opens the portal for bad, demonic things. Entity. Yeah. Entities. So, I don't know, I really hope that that's not true, but I mean, there was multiple accounts that said, like, their tour guide said that. That makes me want to throw up. Unless someone did that as a joke, and they're like, oh my god, this is gonna be funny, I'm gonna steal, and it was, like, pre-planned, like, I'm gonna steal this, and then I'm gonna send it back to them, like, please, I can stop. stop. Then it's kind of funny, otherwise there is no, this is not a laughing matter. No, that's, like, fucking terrifying. 
multiple people have said that they've heard the fire alarm go off for no reason on, like, different nights, like, different people that stayed there uh-huh. around 3.08 a.m. So, it wasn't, like, a time of the murder or anything, but it's is like, it witching hour? Yeah. Between yeah. 3 and 4? Yeah. Yeah. So, they, they said that, like, they came down the next morning and, like, all the guests talk about, like, how... The fire mm-hmm. alarm went off, which is spooky in itself. I think if anything outside of the ordinary happened, like, literally anything, if I was sleeping there, I'd be freaked Your the fuck out. Your mind would, like, instantly go to yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. It is said that Andrew's spirit is happy and, like, you know, doesn't bother you and will leave you alone if you leave him coins, like, Aww. in his bedroom because he, like, he was wealthy, he liked money. He, he was money. intrigued by money. Aww. Yeah. Also, the children's spirits in the attic no. <laughs> are said to love when people leave them toys. They'll, like, leave you alone. So I'd be, like, bringing, like, a basket of toys and, like, throwing it in the attic and be like, don't fucking touch me. <laughs> don't come near me. But, uh, I don't know about that because I feel like if there were if there were children that died in that house, then mm-hmm. that would kind of make sense that there's children who right. like the toys and whatever. But the fact that no children died in that house and there was only brutal, like, horrific murder that happened there, which kind of opens the gates to negativity or any kind of, like, negative energy to come like in. Like, they're restless, too. Yeah, makes me think, like, first of all, if that were a child spirit or children's spirits, why would they choose that house to go to? Like, ooh. What's so great about the attic in the Lizzie Borden house? <laughs> right. I don't know. No. I feel like those are little demon children. <sighs> I don't like that. Wait, aren't you going to Massachusetts? Yeah, next weekend. You I don't should, know if that's near there. You should go. <laughs> I don't know if that's near there. God, you have to I'll go. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. I'll you see should. if that's near there. Apparently there's like a replica, which again, I think this is a little too far. There's a replica of the couch that he died on and a picture of him like above it, like how he died. Are you kidding me? And that's very... people sit on the couch and try to recreate no, like, the picture. No, that is so insensitive. Like, why? I don't like that. I don't either. Like, why? I get the thrill of going to see, like, what would happen and, like, something horrible happened there and, like, maybe you want to see, like, what you get from it. But, like, why, like... Not to that extent. No. Where you're literally, like, mimicking someone's brutal death. Yeah. It's just awful. It's like, would really you want rude. someone to do that about you if that happened to you? Like, like that's to awful. lay in the position that you died in no. just to, like, that's take a picture? disturbing. That's it's disturbing. It's too much. There was one thing I didn't write down, but I, um, I read it somewhere. I'll post the picture as well. There was a blog that said, um, it was, like, a picture of one of the, what one of the guests took while they were staying there. She said she, like, heard something, like, rustling on the side of the bed where her husband was sleeping. Yeah. So she, like, quickly snapped a picture. And it was a demon child. (laughs) (laughs) What was it? What was it? It was, like, this creepy white silhouette, like, just, like, there. Like, almost, like, standing there. Okay, at least it wasn't, like, a a black shadow. Because then you know it's an entity. Then it's an entity and you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ugh. And that was the Lizzie Borden house, and you're going to go see it next oh weekend. Oh, my God. Job, I'm going to look it up. I don't think... I don't... I feel like it's not going to be close to where I am. Where are you guys going to... To Salem. To just, like, all different, 
like tours and stuff. We're actually staying. This is gonna. I'm gonna have stories after this. I think we're actually staying at the oldest B and B in. Uh, Massachusetts, and one of the oldest in the United States. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So I feel like when I saw, when they sent me the picture of where we were staying, I was like, oh, there is definitely energy in that house. Like, I know already that oh my stuff's god. gonna happen. Yeah. Be so careful, I'll have man. some stories. Be no, careful. I feel like it's, I feel like it's just. Like, not bad? Yeah. I feel like it's just, like, old energy. Like, I feel like it's just. It's just spirit, like, spirit that's lingering in the house. Nothing, like, Yeah, nothing malicious. malicious. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. You're up, lady. My first haunted place that I'm talking about was actually suggested by my Uncle Mike. I clicked (laughs) on yours, so, like, we always check to see it just in case, like, we don't do the same one. And I clicked on yours, and I was like, she's doing the fucking thing. (laughs) I was so excited about it, though. Yeah. Um... Well, because we mentioned when he yeah. said it this weekend, we're like, oh, we'll do it next Haunted Places. So, shout out Uncle Mike if you happen to be listening or if one of my cousins happens to be listening. Shout out Uncle Mike. He suggested this. And this is The Devil's Tree. Mm. And this is in New Jersey. The New Jersey Devils. Yeah. So, it's located on Mountain Road in the Martinsville section of Bernard's Township in Somerset County, New Jersey. It is a single oak tree in the middle of a large field across from a housing development. Mm-hmm. And this tree is literally, like, all alone. It's really creepy, and it has all these dead limbs coming out from it. Ew, imagine living in that housing development, though. Yeah, like, across it from it. Ew. Literally looking at this tree, because I've seen it before, because I don't know if people outside of New Jersey know about this, <laughs> But I'm going to be mentioning it a couple times. Have you ever heard of Weird New Jersey? Yeah. Okay, so there's a ma- they have a magazine, they have books, they have so-, so much stuff on it Yeah. for Weird New Jersey. And I've seen this in the past in Weird New Jersey. And okay. the picture of this tree reminds me of, like, the tree from the ring. Ew, I'm looking at it now. It's I'm disturbing. Because it I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So, Ew. isn't it creepy? So, it is said to be more than 250 years old. Ew, how is it still alive? I know. It has graffiti and burn marks on it, and the trunk is actually cut up by axes. Oh my god, axes. (gasps) So, there's a tie-in between ours. Again. Yeah, without meaning to. The trunk is actually cut up by axes and chainsaws, and this this is from, like, all failed attempts to cut it down. Wow, this is one hated tree. Yeah, so no one knows why people have, like, attempted to cut it down and stopped. Like, if they got caught or if the tree literally wouldn't come down and they don't know who tried to cut it down. There's just, like, all these markings from people trying to do it. Ew. Yeah. And it's also missing pieces of bark from people who have taken pieces of the bark as, like, a souvenir or... Uh, to see if anything will happen, basically, or as proof that they were there, because this is like a, well, I'll get into it later, but yeah. Side note, I feel like I'm gonna get arrested for saying this on my podcast, but I stole a piece of dead tree from the Redwood Forest. Oh, Kelsey, your name's connected to this. (laughs) (laughs) They can't come at me now. That was Kelsey, not (laughs) Brynn. They can't come after me now. It was beautiful, and it was dead. I didn't cut it down. No, it was on the ground. And I took it. It's beautiful. (laughs) Side note. 
<laughs> well, that's what these people do with this tray. Weird. But they picked it off. Yeah, they pull it off. So, a little bit about the dark history of the tray and this town. I kind of want to give a trigger warning here just because this does involve the KKK. Mm. So, there may be people who don't want to hear this kind yeah. of stuff. It's it's pretty brief, but just in case anyone, to, who's, anyone is listening who does not want to hear this. Okay. So, Bernard's Township was one of the central headquarters for the KKK in New Jersey in the 1920s, which is just wow. very disturbing and makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. The tree was said to have been used to hang rebellious slaves and local African Americans since colonial times. Oh my god, I'm like nauseous. Yeah, and the KKK lynched any black person they could find on this tree simply to show power. (laughs) Simply to show that they could. I don't even want to... Yeah. Luckily, hopefully, I mean, times have changed since then, mm-hmm. but hopefully times continue to change because clearly we still We're have... definitely not done. A, a problem, yeah. yes. So, not limited to just black men, but they also hung black women and children on oh this tray. Oh my god. Yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah, I have chills just thinking about it. It makes... That it's just so disturbing and so wrong on so many levels. So, the leftmost branch extends almost parallel to the ground, and this was the hanging branch. Mm-hmm. The, lin- the lynchings were led by a reverend called Carl Melberg of the Basking Ridge Methodist Church. And I would just like to say, fuck you, Reverend Melberg. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. I concur. Yeah. So, Basking Ridge historian Brooks Betts confirmed that there was an active KKK clan at the time, but the activities that are that I just mentioned have not been proven. Wow. Yeah. Back then, the tree was more secluded than it is now. It was in an isolated area of the woods and fields. And this is a quote from Weird New Jersey. Quote, Evil energy around the tree comes from the souls of dead men and women, who were killed by this vile organization. I mean, I'd be pissed too. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, if the the stories of them being hung there were the case, Mm -hmm. I could see how all that built-up energy would linger there. There's no surprise. (laughs) No, and it's going to be evil because, yeah... You did like evil you said, things. I'd be fucking pissed, and yeah, p- evil people did evil things there. Yeah. And I think We Are New Jersey did a great job with dis- with describing the organization as vile because it is completely vile. Yeah. So getting into the legend of the tree, the tree is believed to be cursed, and locals believe there are trapped souls in the tree. Oh. And if you damage or disrespect the tree, harm will soon come to you. That's God, one of the I legends. I feel horrible for these souls that are trapped there. I know, if that is the case. Like, let them out. Go away. I know. Go back to where you belong to get peace. So, one of the things that's kind of common for New Jersey teens to do, which is just A teenage a, thing. Yeah. Uh, they pee on its trunk, or they have peed on its trunk, almost as, like, a twisted rite of passage. It's, like, a New Jersey teen thing to do, I guess. I never did it. Oh, good. But <laughs> just saying. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's so and, and kind of to tempt it, I guess, because you're not supposed to disrespect the tree. 
So often a car accident or a major breakdown of the car has happened as they leave if they do something to disrespect the tray. Well, it's, I'm sorry, but that's where people died. <laughs> yeah. And another legend that has been claimed to have happened is if you spit on the tree, you get strep throat. <laughs> it's kind of like you do this, you get this back to you. Oh my god. Yeah. Another legend claims that a farmer hung himself from the tree after killing his family, and one story said that this farmer lived in a white farmhouse that had stood adjacent to the tree. Another version said that the farmer lived on a large piece of land nearby, and he went bankrupt during the Great Depression, Mm. and because he was unable to feed his wife and kids, he brought them for a picnic, killed them all, and then hung himself on the tree. Shut the fuck up. You're re- you're literally reading into my next one. Really? I, Ew, ours are, like, all connected. That's so weird. Really? Like, I know nothing about your next one. Tea. That's so weird. Wow, okay. Ew. So, anyone that tries to cut the tree down will, quote, come to an untimely end. And historian Betts also said that there is no record of these reported murders, so hence the legend. We Mm -hmm. don't know if it's true or not. Another legend is that if you get too close to the tree, you may be chased by a black, and one article said white, but most of it said black. You may be chased by a black Ford pickup, and then the truck will just disappear at a certain point. Like, the headlights will go away. Yeah. Yeah. Why Ford? That's fair. I don't know. <laughs> That's what it said. So, rumors that numerous suicides and murders have happened around the tree. Mm. Um, anyone that touches the tree will notice that their hands turn black if they try to eat at a restaurant, which is <laughs> random and weird, but I live so further specific. down. Yeah, further down, I have, like, a quote from a person it happened to that wrote about it to Weird New Jersey. That is so fucking specific and creepy. Yeah. Another article stated that the people had black, oily stains on their hands after touching the tray. Oh. Yeah. Another weird thing about the tray is that, according to legend and people who have been there, and my uncle actually mentioned this, Mm -hmm. in the winter, no matter how much snow has fallen or how recent the snow has fallen, the ground beneath the tree has no snow. I just looked at pictures of it and it's really fucking weird like around the base of the tree it's like like grass yeah it's like dry yeah yeah so there's also a boulder nearby known as heat rock and it's warm to the touch no matter the season or the time of day and this has been said about the tree as well that it's like warm to the touch and the souls of those killed there give the tree a quote unnatural warmth that's what they believe Mm. Many also believe that the tree is a portal to hell, and a local told Weird New Jersey that the curse surrounding the tree is, quote, the result of the evil that men do, which that's what I believe if there is something with that tree. I was just going to say, like, horrible evil things like this happen when evil acts are done. Right. Like, you don't go to a house of, you know, a haunted house if that nobody was horribly murdered in it. Like, there's not going to be any bad entities or demons. Like, If anything, there's going to be just the spirit spirit lingering or visiting or popping in or whatever. Like, bad things come from 
bad acts on earth oh god yeah where do you think that energy goes to but yeah and the people who were hung there or murdered if if the farmer story was true there they were done so in a brutal way and yeah like that energy is going to linger because of the evil from the people who did it yeah which is just awful so some more spooky stuff about the tree people who put their ears on the tree Say they can hear screaming, begging, or children's voices coming from the tree. Oh, God. Don't do it. Don't yeah. put your ear on the tree. No. I'd be afraid the thing would, like, grow into my ear and go into right? my... Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> you take it home? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, people have also reported seeing hanging bodies swaying in the tree. Ooh. One person said they mocked the tree and instantly got a nosebleed. Ew. Which is, like, disgusting and That's scary. That's too graphic. <laughs> yeah. One person said they peed on the trunk and on the way home, they hit a deer. <gasps> yeah. Then there were some stories on Weird New Jersey, so I'm going to read verbatim from two people that posted. Okay. There were a bunch more if anyone wants to look into it, but I didn't want to read all of it. Yeah. So, the first one, the person named The Devil's Tree Will Break You. Ooh. So, here's their story. And this is Steve K. telling the story. At the time of our arrival to the Devil's Tree, there was a six-foot noose hanging from the big branch, which extends out of one side. We noticed what looked like claw marks from a person or very large animal. To get a better view, myself and a friend climbed the tree to see if any unique marks were further up. After we climbed up, we were sitting on the branch trying to remove the noose. As we sat on the branch, we began to hear noises coming from inside the tree. When the when these noises grew even louder, a big bang sounded and a burst of energy came from the tree, sending myself and friend flying into the air. When I crashed to the ground, I landed on my ankle, breaking it in two places. What? <laughs> yeah. Why the fuck would you climb the tree? I don't know. But, like, what was the big bang and burst of energy coming from the tree? It, like, threw them from it. They were like, get the fuck off. Yeah. You're disrespecting. And who put the noose on the tree in the first place? Or were they imagining it? Like, were they right. seeing it? I don't know. Oh my god. Yeah, he broke Ew. his freaking ankle. I don't want to go here. No. No. No, I think I'll pass on this one. Yeah. So the next story that was on Weird New Jersey was called The Mark of the Devil, and this was from Melissa C. My friends and I went up to the devil's tree one night and got out of the car and touched it. Afterward, we went to Applebee's to get something to eat, and everyone that was sitting at the table suddenly had all of our hands turn black. We don't know why, but it took us two and a half hours to get the blackness off of our hands. What the fuck? Is that, like, weird? That's too real. Yeah. And why? Yeah. So then, to sum it up, I have some fun facts (laughs) about the tree. In 2012, Weird New Jersey published a story on the tree. In 2019, Thrillist Magazine named the Devil's Tree the most haunted place in New Jersey and one of the most scariest places in America. Yeah, I'm not going. (laughs) (laughs) Count me out of this one. Yeah. The township that the Devil's Tree is in designated the area a park, and the tree and field are sanctioned and protected now. Wow. The tree now has a chain-link fence around it, and... It has set hours of when you can go there, and the Bernards Township Police are patrolling the area for trespassers. So it's, like, very strict now, and you actually have to go online and see 
the hours you're able to go in there and everything. Wow. Yeah. And that is the devil's tree. That's <laughs> creepy as fuck. Okay, picture the Grinch getting ready for, like, got that party and him trying on clothes and saying, that's it, I'm not going. Yeah. That's me right now. Yeah. I'm not going. No, that, I don't think I ever want to actually go there either. Because. No. That just sounds malevolent. It's just, yeah, it's just not good. And the fact that also the KKK was around that area and shit, I don't, I don't like that. Anything to do with it. No. Like, why taunt that, though? And, like, why bother people that have suffered there, you know? Yeah. Like, let them just be. Yeah, and even if people weren't actually hung on that tree and that's a legend or if that farmer didn't kill his family there, like, just the KKK being in that area alone and actually killing people Mm -hmm. because of their skin color. Yeah. That, that right there, there has to be tons of negative energy. horrible. Yeah. I don't think you heard Uncle Mike say it because you were talking to somebody else at the time, but he said that he heard a story about the devil tree that a kid that was in high school went there and, like, was taunting, like, doing weird stuff, whatever, and the next day he broke his arm. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, that's just disturbing. Yeah, I don't And he said... He brought this up to us because he said his wife, Eileen, grew up right Right around there. there. Yeah. Like, I wonder if she went to the devil's tree and has a piece of bark, like, in her jewelry box. (laughs) Eileen, did you pee on the tree? (laughs) (laughs) We must know. I'm going to ask her next time I see her. (laughs) But, yeah. That was good. Thank you. What do you got for us next? So, this one is actually super short. I'm so sorry. I couldn't find too much information about it because it was kind of a mixture of urban legend and haunted place. Mm -hmm. But it was so interesting to me that I was like, you know, I'm just going to do it even if it's short. And I think it's going to work out with timing anyway. Okay, let's hear it. So, this is the ghost of Slaughterhouse Canyon. Yep, never heard of it. Okay, it's really weird because it's exactly what you were saying earlier. So, it's based in Kingman, Arizona. This area is open to the public, and there are a few houses on this dirt road. It's basically in the middle of a desert. Okay. Desert. Did I say that word? I feel like it sounded weird. Dessert. Desert. <laughs> it's in the middle of a dessert. Um, yeah. So it was founded in the 1800s, and it's also known as Luana's Canyon oh. after a family that lived in the wooden shack near the canyon. So you can go there. It's not a wooden shack from the pictures I saw. It's, it's kind of like... Um, like a rundown, like cement shack. I don't know. It's weird. You got to look up the pictures. There's okay. like graffiti all over it. Um, and this was this occurred during the time of the gold rush. So the husband of the family would leave his wife. His wife's name was Luana, and their two children at the canyon for a couple weeks at the at a time while he went out like searching for food. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the wife would stay back, take care of the kids. He also had dreams of making a better life for his family by searching for gold. So, he was constantly trying to go out when he could, providing for his family. Okay. One of the times he left for food or supplies, he didn't return. It was thought that maybe he got killed by an animal or he starved. Or he just took off. Yeah, or he's like, fuck this, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. So, these are the stories about what happens there today and it... And, like, why they happen. And it breaks my heart. So, the day after, her children would beg for food. 
and she obviously had none to give them. She was waiting for him to come back. Oh, She's God. like, where is he? Um, Luana could not bear to see her children starve to death, and she herself started to become psychotic and, like, have delusions mm-hmm. and hallucinations because she was starving. Apparently, at some point during her hallucinations, delusions, psychotic state, she put her wedding gown on. She then murdered her children to stop their suffering and cut their bodies up into pieces. Oh, my God. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so, so sad. Yeah. She was like, I can't... I don't know. I can't even imagine, like, being so hungry for food that that's how your brain reacts. Like, it's not... wasn't her fault. Or just being in that mindset at all. Like, I have to kill them to make them stop suffering. Oh, my God. After she murdered them... She was said to have painted the walls of their shack with their blood. Oh, God. Why? I don't fucking know. She then (sighs) took the pieces that she chopped up and threw them into a nearby river. She then cried and screamed for her children by the riverbank until she herself died of starvation by the river. And the legend is that if you go there and you're brave enough to go sit by the river on a quiet night, you can hear the cries and screams of the psychotic mother and her children. Oh my god, I would never want to hear that. Why would you would ever want to go there? I would never want to hear that. First thing that came to my mind is like, what if the husband came back like the next day and was like, what the fuck happened here? For real. You know, like he was like a week late or something because something happened and he was like, what the fuck happened? Or like he brought back gold. Like, <laughs> like what the fuck? Yeah, like he was delayed because he actually struck gold and was trying to dig it all up. Yeah. That was super short, but, like, I felt like it was so, like, it was such a powerful, powerful story. Yeah. That, like. No, that needed to be heard. Yeah. That is so sad, though. I would never, ever want to hear it. Why would you ever want to go and see that that and hear that? That's heartbreaking. I I know. Isn't that weird, though? Because the, you said the thing about the farmer committing suicide because he couldn't provide for his family. Wow. Weird. Ugh. Weird, weird. Weird, weird. So, uh, good job, Kels. Thanks, your turn. So, the last story that I'm going to be telling is of the Battersea Poltergeist. I don't know it. Okay. So Battersea? Battersea. I don't know it. This takes place in, uh, London, so that's probably why you don't know it. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. A little bit of background. This was a... The haunting of 63 Wycliffe Road in Battersea, South London. This area is now gentrified and it has like pubs and trendy coffee shops. Mm. But during that time, the area was um, resided by what was described as like the working class and it was kind of a, a poorer area. Okay. So the haunting started in 1956 and lasted for 12 years. Oh. Yeah. And wait till you hear what happened for 12 years. And this was in newspapers and everything. Just the word poltergeist scares me. Yeah. (laughs) So. (laughs) You're like, just I'm like awkwardly laughing because I know what's going (laughs) to happen. All right. So the the haunting that ended up happening became national news. It was on TV and newspapers. And it was even talked about in Parliament. What? In the UK. Yeah. Oh, my God. So this occurred... At 63 Wycliffe Road, it was a home that was rented to the Hitchings family. 
There was Wally, who was the dad. He was in his 40s. He was described as a tall, gaunt man. He drove trains on the London Underground. Mm. And Kitty was the mom, which... That's so cute and reminds me of that 70s that show. <laughs> Kitty. I just thought of, like, Kitty in her voice. Aww. So, Kitty was the mom. She was a little older than Wally. She was a former office clerk, but she was wheelchair-bound due to chronic arthritis. Aww. Shirley was the daughter, and a lot of this story focuses around Shirley. She was 15. She had dark hair and eyes. She was about to start art school. She worked part-time as a seamstress at Selfridges which was a a department store. Mm. Ethel also lived with them, which was Wally's mom. So she was... Yeah, so she was Shirley's grandma. She was described as fiery. She was very religious. She was known as Old Mother Hitchings. (laughs) And if I remember correctly, because a lot of this information I got from a podcast I listened Mm. to, because there's not too, too much online, um, she was like 6'4 or something. Yeah, like Shirley talked about when her grandmother died they had to get a special coffin for her oh my god yeah so then there was john he was in his 20s he grew up thinking ethel was his mom he was adopted so he was shirley's technically adopted uncle but he was more like a brother to her because they were only five years apart and he was a surveyor that's what he did for a job so this story started less than 10 years after the end of world war ii So, what happened next was very triggering for some of the family and the neighbors. Mm. So, here's what happened. Ew. (laughs) January 27th, 1956, Shirley found an old, odd key. What? My mom was born in 56. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. God. In December, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, Shirley found an old, odd key on her bed. And she put it on the mantle because she didn't know what to do with it. She was like, this is weird. This is on my bed. Mm -hmm. And her dad later on was asking her where it was and it wasn't on the mantle anymore. And she found it back on her pillow in her room. So this is the first, like, very strange thing that happened and where everything continues after this key. Like, this is where it all started. Okay. So they, they found it on her pillow and they ended up trying it in every lock in the house because they're like, what? Like, they were renting the house, so they were like, oh, maybe we've just never noticed this. It didn't fit anything in the house. Hmm. They tried doors. They tried um, dresser drawers. They tried, like, cupboard. They tried everything, and it didn't fit anything in the house. So that night in 1956, the family was woken up by, quote, deafening bangs reverberating through the house, shaking the walls and floors. And that was a quote from BBC. The fuck? Yeah. Shirley said it was, quote, like an air raid. What? And remember, they were they were through World just, War Two. Yeah, just finished. Yeah, so and she said it was like a fucking air raid. Wow. That's how loud it was. Wow. So she checked all over the house, or the family, I'm sorry, checked all over the house. They thought maybe it could be an animal making these sounds, even though it was so fucking loud. It was so loud that neighbors were complaining and people could hear it on the street and were showing up at their house, banging on their door, like, what the fuck are you doing? Because it was, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. What? Yeah. And actually, the podcast that I listened to, the podcaster in it, he works for BBC, and he, I guess they provided him with, like, a sound system to blast and see if his neighbors could, like, hear it, and it was so loud that the neighbors could kind of hear it, 
but it was nowhere near what the neighbors back then said it was. Like, the neighbors back then, it woke them up. It was so loud. Wow. They said they could hear it, but, like, barely. What the fuck made the noise? I know, but that's how loud it was. That's actually terrifying. In the house. Something was that loud. Yeah. So, the neighbors thought Wally was banging or tearing up floorboards in the middle of the night. That's what they, like, assumed he was doing, and they, that's when they went over and knocked on his door, and they were like, why the fuck are you doing this at three in the morning? And obviously, they were like, no, we're not doing anything. So, they called the police, and when the police got there, it had stopped already, and the key disappeared and was never seen again. What? Yeah. It was the key to a portal. (laughs) Yeah. Creepy. So this continued happening night after night for two weeks. There was banging upstairs and downstairs. Eventually, it became daily, even during the day, this would happen. What? Yeah, not just at night anymore. Did the police ever catch it? (laughs) Probably not. So the Hitchings continued to call the police, as I mentioned, and multiple surveyors came to look into what was causing the noise, and no one could give them an answer. Sometimes there was an intense banging, and sometimes scratching came from in the furniture, like claws scratching. Scratching means demon to me. (laughs) Yeah. So, inside the headboard, there would even be scratching when they were trying to sleep. Ew. Which, like, a headboard is, like, two inches thick or something. There can't be anything in there, so it was something scratching the headboard. Ew. Yeah. After two weeks, these noises stopped. And here's a little fun fact. Most poltergeist activity starts with noises and then goes into objects moving. So, uh, psychical researcher and respected ghost hunter from the 1950s, Harold Chibbett, a.k.a. Chib, devoted his life to try to help the Hitchings. He just kind of stepped forward and was like, I'm going to do this for free. I want to know what's going on. I'm, I'm gonna help you. Yeah, and he had a, a full other job outside of this and did both. Wow. Yeah. So he tried to figure out who uh, the poltergeist was until he died. He had research, case notes, and writings for a book that he was working on that have been used to gain info on the events that took place with this wow. whole thing. So he gave a lot of insight to everything that happened with us. So this is what happened in the Wycliffe Road house after the scratching and stuff stopped. Furniture started moving, and the poltergeist began listening to what Shirley told him to do. So, for example, like, he'd be moving something, and she'd be like, stop, and it would stop. Or she'd be like, okay, let's see if he listens to me make that lamp move, and the lamp would move. Okay. So he began listening to her. So February 18th, 1956, Shirley's glove flew across the room and hit someone in the face in the kitchen during breakfast. So this is the first, like, full-blown object, like, flying across the room and moving. No. And at first they kind of, like, questioned it if Shirley did it, like, as a joke or just being, like, a 15-year-old girl. Shirley. Yeah, and she was like, no, like, I didn't. Ooh. Yeah. So, other things that had happened after the fact, a clock floated through the air and was gently placed down on, like, a table or something. At least it was gently. Yeah. Pots and pans were thrown from a room that nobody was in. Witnesses saw bed sheets flying off of bed. Slippers walking around. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is like funny but absolutely terrifying oh i would poop my pants yeah and chair is moving so the podcast that i listen to again i'll mention it at the end <laughs> if anyone wants like a deeper dive into all of this Shirley, actually, at 80 years old, is on talking about her experiences and everything. What? Yeah, and she describes the slipper part where she'd be like, yeah, my dad's slippers would be on the floor across the room, and they literally would just start walking, like, moving across the room like someone was walking in them. The ghost was like, my toes are cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, where was I? Da, 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 da. Walking across the floor. Walking across the floor. So, the family witnessed Shirley's blankets being pulled off of her one night, and then she levitated about six inches off the bed. Oh, my God. And she was legit, like, screaming throughout the whole thing. Oh. Yeah. And they said when she was lowered down onto the bed, she was, like, stiff as a board, which also could have been out of pure terror. Yeah. But Shirley was the focus of the poltergeist's attention, without a doubt. Mm. So, from here, eventually, the events became increasingly violent. Evelyn Hollow, a Scottish writer and parapsychologist, said, quote, Rooms are trashed. The house must have looked like a bloody war zone. And remember, bloody in England means fucking, pretty much. Bloody hell. Must yeah, the... Uh, the house must have looked like a bloody war zone. <laughs> so, <laughs> they're basically saying it looked like a fucking war zone. There wasn't actually blood everywhere. I just wanted to clarify. bloody. And she said, it's a truly wild case. So, fires broke out, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. One fire was so bad, the fire department was called, and it actually could have killed Wally, the dad. He was really, really badly burned and injured from it. And he said he was, like, pulled into the fire. What the fuck? Yeah. There was a deep scratch in his burn, which the doctors even said looked like three claw marks. Ew. Yeah. The Mothman gone. Yeah, the Mothman. (laughs) There were voices being, like, audibly heard. Marks were made on the walls and the wallpaper, which I will post pictures of. It almost looks like it's in a different kind of text like somebody's trying oh like you know when you type in a computer and there's symbols (laughs) yes it looks like symbols almost it's really weird but there was also like legible words written out ew yeah ethel who was the grandma was pushed down the stairs at one point oh no yeah and she straight up said it it pushed her down the stairs she okay yes after that, yes. October 5th, October 1956, Kitty and Wally, which again were the mom and the dad, found their bed doused with alcohol and later rat poison, like, strewn, strewn all over it. Where the fuck is this thing getting all of this I don't stuff? Know. They had other experiences, like hearing the voice of an Irish woman, which freaked Ethel out. And later on, she ended up saying she recognized it as her mom, Sarah, as her voice. Oh, my God. Yeah. A few months later, Ethel had another stroke because she had previously had a stroke, and she died. Oh, no. Yeah. So, that might have actually been, like, her mom communicating with her, you know? So, some more communication that the Hitchings had with this poltergeist. Eventually, they nicknamed the poltergeist Donald, and... (laughs) 
So they would straight up call him Donald. That's like such it, an innocent name. Why yeah, would you do that? But it's I for I they they said it in the other podcast. They made a comment about Donald something with Donald Duck, so then oh. they named him Donald. Okay. And but it's just weird that it went from an it to being a him to having a name, you know? Yeah. I would prefer it to stay as an it. Yeah. So over months and years, um, they began finding ways to communicate with Donald. They tried to find out who he was because they're like, this has to be someone. Like, they're communicating with us for a reason. It's a poltergeist for a reason. Like, who is this? What is this? And Shirley actually began speaking to Donald through knocks. So she'd be like, one knock means no, two knocks means yes. And they would communicate with him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Journalists that came to the house even witnessed this. What? Yeah. So, it wasn't just the family being like, oh, this is happening. People began to know who they were. Like I said, it became really, they became famous in newspapers and it was a big, it was national news and, yeah, journalists came to the house to do an interview and shit happened. Wow. Yeah. So, an exorcism at some point was eventually performed on Shirley and she honestly didn't even know this was going to happen. They didn't tell her? No. And she was terrified that went in that moment. Like, on the podcast that I listened to, she talks all about it. That's really sad. Yeah. She should have been warned. Yeah. And the family, they did this because they were trying to get rid of him by any means necessary. So, the dad kind of agreed to it after meeting with this, like, person that could do it. Over the course of the 12 years, between 3,000 to 4,000 written communication from Donald happened. Oh, my God. And in one day, at some point, they got up to 60, like, messages and letters hand- What like, the fuck written. did he say? I have pictures of some of them that I will post. Ooh. Yeah. So, going- all this happened over the course of all these years, 12 years, and- I'm going to get into the ending of it now. The family experienced phenomena at Wycliffe Road House until 1964, according to the documents. They moved out of 63 Wycliffe and saved money to buy a house about 15 minutes away, so finally they got the fuck out of there. It only took them 12 years. Yeah. But, well, that wasn't even 12 years at that point. Oh, okay. Um, The activity, even after they moved, continued sporadically. Okay. So they moved out of that house at this point in 1964, but the activity actually continued still. Yeah. In 1965, Shirley married her boyfriend, Derek, and she moved to West es- West Essex, and it still continued. What the hell? Yeah. Like, Shirley, they followed her? Yeah. Shirley and her family, so it could be in more than one place at once. That's not good. Yeah. Shirley actually lost friends because of this, because people would, like think she was crazy or like not want to be around that yeah. yeah she lost her job as a, a seamstress in the london store that i mentioned earlier because donald remember is the poltergeist stole scissors from the workroom and they questioned her about it and actually like made her empty her pockets and stuff oh my god and it, she was she didn't do it and she had to tell them who she was because when she was living in that town, no one knew who she was. She had to tell them who she was, and she Why lost her happened? job. Oh. Yeah. 
So the poltergeist activity continued until 1968. So that was four years after they had even moved from that house. Mm -hmm. And one day, Wally, which again was the dad, told Shirley over the telephone, quote, We've had a message, girl. Donald's gone. Donald left a message at Wally and Kitty's house saying, quote, my work is done. Goodbye. I have the Wrote it out. Chills. Under what? <laughs> I don't know. He would write it on different stuff. What was he, what was the work? My work is done. I don't know. <sighs> and they never found out who Donald was. Like, even though that investigator was trying for years and years and years to find out he like, never... who is this poltergeist? Is this a real person that lived? Whatever. They never found out who he was. What What was the key thing? They asked at one point, they say on the, on the podcast, they asked at one point if he was the one who left the key and he knocked twice for yes. Oh, my dear God. So, I don't know what that was, where it was from, why, but it said yes. What the fuck? Yeah, and obviously there are theories out there that, uh... There was no poltergeist and someone within the house was doing it. But it's also been, a lot of the things people have said have also been debunked because someone would have seen one of them doing all that shit. And there was other, like, there was people other than the family that saw things happen. Right. And when you hear this woman talk about her experience, you can tell she's not lying. Like, she is still terrified. I just can't even imagine going, having to go through something like that, like... And have to deal with that during your life. Yeah. Because even when she does the interview on the podcast, like, she says, um, this is kind of my first time talking about it type of thing. And she's like, you know, I've been afraid of even speaking about it because I don't want it to bring him back. (laughs) Yeah. So, a little bit of aftermath. Shirley co-wrote a book with James Clark about her experiences called The Poltergeist Prince of London. And BBC Radio podcast... Or that the one that I mentioned was yep. the Battersea Poltergeist. So if anyone wants to give that a listen, we can link it in our show notes. Yeah. And post in our Facebook and stuff. It's there's like I think eight or ten episodes, and they also go over questions from listeners or theories from people, and they debunk it. And it's a good podcast. It's set up a little different because they do uh, recreations of things that have happened with mm. people doing voiceovers for the family and stuff, but then they also, like I said, have Shirley actually on there. I want to hear her talking. Yeah. She's so, like, cute and proper. Like, I could picture her. Mm. So, 63, another little thing to add at the end, which is just very fucking strange. 63 Wycliffe Road no longer exists. The original house had been demolished in the late 1960s, and that number is no longer there. It goes from 62 to 64. But, you know, sometimes doesn't, isn't that, like, a thing where, like, if there's a whole, like, a really haunted place or something, they completely take that out of, like, the street number and everything. I don't know. But, like, if you listen to the Battersea Poltergeist podcast, yeah, the guy goes there and he's, like, walking and he's, like, okay, here's 62, 64. He's, like, where's 63? And it's gone. And it just doesn't exist. I feel like that's a thing, though. Like, I've heard of where, like, people are, like, looking for things. Like, they're looking for, oh, this is, you know, we're looking for this house and there's tourists trying to come and, like, they purposely remove it from, like, the street number. It's weird, though, because this is one of the most popular hauntings of England. Yeah. 
that they wouldn't have that house for people to go look at. Yeah. And even if they demolish it, not to build one up there. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That's really weird. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. So they were like, oh, the spookiness continues because the house disappeared type of thing. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of shit freaks me out. Yeah. And, um, I didn't listen too far into it yet because I didn't quite finish the podcast, but... Uh, something I want to mention that's really cool because I know people liked our episode with Laura. Yeah. They have, or the, um, Shirley mentions that randomly one day she was out somewhere and this person stopped her and was like, I'm a medium. Mm -hmm. Do you know that there's a little 15 year old person following you? What? And described this person to her and she's like, like, I don't, she's like, I don't know if it's still him or if it's, there was more to what, um, Wasn't she 15 when this all occurred? She was 15. What if it was, like, the child version of her? No, it was a boy. Oh, it was a boy. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, but there's, like, a lot more, they, like I said, they dive deeper into it in that podcast, but there's a lot more to it with, uh, the investigator that looked into it and things that he had found and connections he had made with certain things and, she was like, could it be this person? And there was things with, like, when the, the newspapers twisting it to where, like, oh, this girl is has a love interest with a ghost. Like, sensationalizing. Oh, yeah, like, sensationalizing the horror that the family was going through. Yeah, I know. Because, like, when the journalist was there, one of the questions they asked where it, it knocked was, are you in love with Shirley? And it knocked twice. So then they like sensationalize that. Like, oh, this is yeah. Yeah, that but was yeah, that's the better see poltergeist. Wow, that's really creepy. Good job. Thanks. Wow. <laughs> I so. think that concludes our haunted places numero cuatro. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed. Yeah. If you have any recommendations of haunted places that you want us to cover as well, let us know. Um, like if you've heard of something or you've actually been somewhere that that would be cool if somebody's gone somewhere like on a haunted tour or something we can research the place and then have them talk about their experience maybe we can have Laura on again because I know she just went to a haunted hotel she did (laughs) yeah but I actually I just had a memory triggered of one of my mom's friends who had a poltergeist in her house maybe we can have her Oh, tell her story. Yeah. That's so interesting to me when people talk about, like, their own stories. Yeah. Full-blown moved furniture. (gasps) Yeah. What? Yeah. Ew. And I had totally forgotten about it till now. We should talk to her. (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right. Until next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Regarding this case and our resources, follow us at Crime Cults and Coffee on Instagram and Facebook.